at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Welcome to episode 145 of the Bronx Beat Podcast, presented by Baseball Prospectus's BP Bronx. I am your host, EJ Fagan. Tonight, I am joined by Dr. Paul Semendinger. Hey, EJ. And Andy Singer. How's it going, EJ? I am doing great. You know, lots of baseball recently. You know, it's been been kind of packed and filled, and uh, I, I, I certainly am not just hungry right now for, for my addiction. How about you guys? Oh, it's great. Baseball <laughs> is fun and great. It'd be nice if we could actually see ball games, though. I that that's a necessary part. I mean, I watched a Brewers Diamondbacks game today just because. Well, why not? Why not right? Um, if if anyone else hasn't figured out what's going on, the Yankees have been rained out uh, two two days in a row. They were going to play doubleheader today. Uh, they decided that they they're they're not going to get that in. Uh, and so, along with those rainouts being sandwiched by two off days, the Yankees played essentially six innings of baseball over the course of four days, and uh, and then they're going to go into uh, kind of a, a normal seven-game stretch away soon. Um, we're going to talk about that. Before we talk about that, I want to remind everybody: haven't made this ask in a long time. Uh, to please uh, rate and review us specifically on iTunes. That's where it helps us the most. Um, please leave us a five-star rating. That's the most important part. Um, if you have some comments you'd like to, you'd like to send to us, please, uh, um, please uh, leave those on iTunes. I will be periodically checking those reviews, and I will read your review on air if it is particularly nice. If it's not nice, I won't read it on air, but if you give us five stars, I will read within reason anything you ask me to read. That's the bond I make with my with my with my viewers, uh, with my listeners. However, we're going to talk about the rainout. So the Yankees are losing four starts. Paul, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, or rather, I'm, I'm going to say losing four starts. I'm sorry. Have four off days in a row, essentially. Good correct. thing or bad thing? Well, you know, they've been so hot that you hate to see them not playing baseball. Then again. I do believe that the one negative during this whole hot streak has been that they have overtaxed the bullpen because the pitchers just haven't been giving them uh, a lot of length for the most part. So the fact that the bullpen gets a nice long rest here, I think overall it's actually a good thing. Andy, good thing or bad thing? Uh, overall, I think it's a great thing, particularly given how overworked the bullpen has been lately. However, one particular bullpen piece that I think it's awful for is Dylan Batantis, given the fact that he was finally seemed like he was finding something there, had a little bit more control in his last couple of outings, and really seemed to be pulling it together. And he's a guy who needs to pitch fairly often, and I think if the Yankees are going to have a strong bullpen for the rest of the season, Dylan Batantis needs to be right. So I'm going to go with it's a bad thing just for him but for the rest of the team i think it comes at a pretty good time yeah so i'm, I'm kind of torn right because part of it is you're gonna have to play these games kind of you're losing an off day in june you're turning an off day into a, essentially a double header or a one and a half games 
And that's, you know, that's not a deal breaker. You know, that the, the Yankees, I think, will be better, or will be a better team in June. The, the, the other thing we haven't talked about is that Tommy Conley is on the verge of returning from the DL. Uh, they might be able to activate him on Friday at this point, so they essentially have more team, more games with a deeper bullpen. Um, you also have, you know, Greg Bird, who's rehabbing right now and, and is looking good, and maybe Billy McKinney, if they end up being an outfielder, is rehabbing and looking kind of good, um, or at least healthy. Uh, neither of them are really hitting much, so they're, but they're, they are they are in one piece and not dying. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's the, that's the line for Greg Bird at the moment. Um, you know, he's he is standing, so that's good. Um, so the Yankees will be will be a better roster in in a month, and so pushing more games into the future, I think, is a net good at this point. And I agree with you that I think I think resting the bullpen is is just so important. I mean, Batanzas hasn't been pitching a lot, and that's good, and that's that's why they he, you know maybe he's been able to put it together. But Chad Green's been pitching a lot, or Aldis Chapman's been pitching a lot. David Robertson just doesn't look very good, and you know I don't think any of them warmed up on the on the the first game against the Nationals, which means they're all going to get at least five days of rest, and. That's not unheard of like, for a normal a normal bullpenner, right? A normal relief pitcher will you know have periods where he's going three, four, five days without pitching, and so I, I don't think it'll mess up anybody's rhythm too much. Um, but there's another player who might be injured. Maybe we're not really sure. His name is Brandon Drury. Uh, Andy, would you like to update us on the status of Brandon Drury? Yeah, so Brandon Drury finished off his rehab assignment uh, down on the farm, and rather than bring him up to the team, the Yankees decided to option him to AAA, which means two things in my mind. Number one, he the Yankees still don't think he can contribute at a big league level, at least to the level that he, to which he's capable of contributing, but also that for at least the time being, they're willing to live with Miguel Andahar's defense and his low on-base percentage and go with Andahar over Drury, who they're obviously big on. So I think there are a couple of things going on here. For On one hand, I think that it's possible that the Yankees are gaming the system a little bit and giving Drury a little more time in the minors and using the fact that he still has options uh, remaining to their advantage. But I also think it means that they've been impressed by what they see in Miguel Andahar, which I think is a great thing if you're a Yankee fan and for the Yankee organization that a high, highly touted prospect is re- working out at the big league level. Paul, do you have any thoughts on Brandon Drury? Do you think, do you think he's healthy? Well, uh, you know what they were mentioning the other day about he's still uh, thinking about using tinted glasses for certain games at night, and he has said himself that he doesn't quite feel like himself, and he still goes through some periods where he's fighting this uh, this migraine or dizziness illness. So I don't think he is 100%. I don't think they want to bring him up till he's 100%. And um, I also think they're very committed to seeing what Miguel Andujar will do over a long period of time. And he, you know, even with his slump, he hasn't been as great as he had been earlier, but he's still hitting 284. He's got three homers. He's uh, He still has, what, 13 doubles? I think he leads the team in doubles. And so... Um, I think the Yankees are saying, this is a guy that we really want to ride out for a while. I, I agree with Andy. They're very high on Brandon Drury, but I don't think they're in any rush to bring him back yet. All right, so I was trying to get one of you guys to be controversial, so I'm going to say the controversial thing. <laughs> if he is indeed still – if he still has some blurry vision and he's still somewhat unable to perform at 100%, he's an injured player, and an injured player should be on the Major League DL and not rostered to them to, to AAA. He should be accept, uh, getting a major league salary and, and accruing major league service time while he works his way back from, from his injury. 
And that seems to be the case. It seems to be the case that he is not yet 100%. Maybe he'll never be 100%, and maybe maybe he'll, you know, this is a long-term thing that he'll have to deal with for the rest of his life. I don't get the sense that that's what's going on. I get the sense that, you know, he is still recovering from whatever problem he has, and maybe he's going to be recovering for a long time, but he should be a major league player right now, and it seems like the Yankees are doing something fishy here. Am, am I wrong about that? Yeah, so EJ, that that's kind of what I was hinting at by the Yankees gaming the system here a little bit and using his remaining options. But uh, as somebody who has both played baseball and has dealt with migraines over the course of my lifetime, it's not something that really goes away. So I'm not really sure whether or not we can really expect Brandon Drury to ever be a hundred percent totally, particularly given the fact that Drury has admitted that he's dealt with this issue for more than a year now that it's been an ongoing issue so I don't necessarily see a total end in sight maybe he can alleviate it but I do agree that given the fact that his interviews in the past week and a half seem to indicate that while it's better it's not 100% and he still feels like it can improve from here on out I think the Yankees owe it to Brandon Drury to put him back on the DL so he earns a major league salary and uh, EJ I think you're 100% right that the Yankees are gaming the system here yeah I mean I want to I want to use further language than gaming I want to use more extreme language than gaming the system right here mostly because I'm like every day going deeper into the into like the 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 arms of major league labor I think that uh, the, the sports betting, this came up in the sports betting debate, which we're not going to be having, but it's going to come up. In the, hey, screw it. We're going to have the sports betting debate, even though I didn't prompt you guys. So get ready for that because I just I'm starting to get angry about it as well. So, like, I think they're cheating Brandon Drury and and, and maybe the analogy, right? The analogy that you, that might work for the description that you just gave is the pitcher who has a shoulder injury, finishes his rehab and comes back and he's at like he's he's pitching at 80% of what he used to be right and so the injury is rehabbed quote unquote but it's not his performance won't get better maybe that's the case Brandon Drury's hitting pretty well at AAA by the way so you know I'm not even sure if that analogy works so well but Paul like is is that what do you think is going on obviously without being his doctor or that kind of doctor you know we don't want to make any like medical ju- judgments here but it just seems from the statements that this isn't this isn't necessarily something that that he should be he he should he has not he he should still be injured as I still believe here. Well, um, yeah, I think it's it's complicated, and again, I'm not a doctor of medicine, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're right. He's hitting 315. He's got a couple of homers down in uh, in the minor leagues, but he is saying stuff like my my vision it still gets blurry. He said very blurry at night. Um, listen, I, I don't know the rules well enough as far as, you know, the 20-day rehabs and if you should be on the DL and the major leagues or the minor leagues and all that kind of stuff. I think the Yankees want him to play. I think he wants to – I don't know him, but I, I would think that he wants to play. And w- what I'm hearing from you guys is I wish there was a way that the Yankees could give him his major league service time and his major league salary while letting him try to rehab this thing and find out, you know, if he is going to get healthy or not. And it's true that he can't. So he, he, he has ended the rehab games window. I think they have to pull him back for a certain period of time, and then he could go back and start another 20-day rehab assignment uh, at some point in the future, but he can't do it uh, right away. All right, I want to move on from Brandon Drury. That was just me being a little, a little <laughs> excuse me, angry at the Yankees. Uh, so before we talk about Clint Frazier, let's talk a little bit about betting. So the United States Supreme Court 
overturned a 1992, I believe, law by Congress uh, prohibiting all states except for, I believe, Nevada from allowing sports betting in their states. Uh, sports betting in Nevada is a relatively small industry, but it is uh, something like $10 billion or something relatively low like that. Um, but globally or uh, throughout the United States, it's estimated that there's a much larger illegal betting business that goes on in the, uh, uh, somewhere over $100, $100 billion. Um, and so this is now allowing casinos and other people that are licensed by states to do that. And states now have the option of opening up um, gambling. I don't want to talk about like the individual aspect of gambling right here. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of people have strong opinions about whether or not gambling is something that, that essentially harms people or whether or not something that we should, we should allow, like, you know, like, uh, or if it's somewhere in the gray area like cigarettes. Let's forget that for a second. I want to talk about the effect of this change on the sport of baseball. Do you expect this change to significantly impact um, things, potential things like match fixing in baseball or point shaving or something like that? Uh, Andy. Yeah, so I, I cut down somewhere in between on this one. While I'm personally opposed to legalized sports betting from a, on a state-to-state basis, maybe that's just because I live in New Jersey and basically half the state's about to turn into Atlantic City now that sports betting will be open. But I think that on one hand, it's going to take some of the betting, and if there is fixing in the sport of baseball, I think it's going to bring it some of those associations more out into the open because right now it's sort of a back parlor deal-making scheme whereas now sports betting is going to be in front of your face so it's possible that these things will get detected a lot earlier and a lot faster given that known associates of sports gambling will be more out in the open but at the same time i think it just makes puts it in front of players faces that they can now okay that here's a legal way here's somebody i can get in bed with and make a little extra money on the side. I worry about it more for the minor leaguer that's not making a living wage. Hey, can I throw just in this one individual game? Is there something that I can do to give myself a little extra cash? Somebody who's not necessarily going to make the big leagues, or maybe it's a back-of-the-roster major leaguer. So I think there are impacts on both sides, but I'm uncomfortable with it. Paul, what do you think? Oh, I'm going to have to agree with uh, virtually everything Andy said. I don't gamble. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bet on any baseball games. Um, But I think what it does is it just opens up this whole area whereby um, it's it's going to potentially put lots of things into question. You know, people have always debated that 1919 World Series with the Black Sox and all that. You say, well, Joe Jackson hit 394. I'm making that number up, but he hit great. But he went 0 for 10 or whatever with runners on base. And, and some people think he was uh, innocent. Some people think he wasn't innocent, as well as many of those other guys. But what it does is when gambling is right out there in the open, um, even though it wasn't back then, but it was, I guess, a sort of an acknowledged secret, um, what it does is it brings into question any decision and a manager makes, a player makes. You make a, a routine error, and all of a sudden people think, ooh, you know, did he, was he fixing the game? I, I don't think any of this helps the game. And the the thing about sports is the games have to be legitimate for people to buy into them. And 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 the more questions that you have about the legitimacy of any play or any game, the less people believe in the overall authenticity of the sport. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you guys. So part of me says, hey, there's already a big illegal gambling business. You know that that illegal gambling is likely to you know if there's an opportunity for match fixing, that opportunity exists today. 
I suspect that this will increase the amount of gambling, and so the marginal effect will be to increase the 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 probability of match fixing. I will say that every other developed country has a very permissive sports gambling system, and every other developed country has huge problems with mat with match fixing and point shaving in their games. Um, this is incredibly common in Europe, in especially like like you know relatively meaningless uh, football games, soccer games. Um, this is you know very common in in, in some other sports like boxing, and. I think there's baseball has an opportunity to be fixed that a lot of games don't. So there's a pitcher on the mound and that pitcher on the mound can serve up a meatball. And, you know, it, it's, it wouldn't, we, we wouldn't bat an eye if some crappy pitcher who came, who's coming up from the minor leagues for a day serves up a meatball, you know, with a, in a tie game in the sixth inning. Um, and, you know, we, we wouldn't suspect anything because that just happens all the time. Um, that player has a lot of control of the game. Umpires have a lot of control of the game. Um, I think individual hitters and and um, you know certain certain pitchers don't, and and that that's that's notable. Um, but I, I you know I, I get worried that we're going to have these scandals, and I'm with you guys. Like I, I don't want to lose faith in the the game that I'm watching. Baseball has its own history of terrible scandals. I mean, the, we're we're about to get to the hundredth anniversary of the World Series being thrown in a match fixing scandal. That's probably I don't know the history of the law, but part of the reason why we have you know restrictions on sports betting in the United States. Uh, that, that's all correct. And prior to 1919, there was a very um, open secret, and maybe it wasn't even an open secret that there was uh, situations that involved all sorts of baseball players, including certain stars that were accused of of gambling and and, and fixing games and, and doing all sorts of things under the table and. I think what happened was it really came to the forefront in 1919 and it became a disaster and that's why they brought in uh, and established a baseball commissioner and they threw all the guys out, et cetera, et cetera. Because once the legitimacy of the game is in question, then the game is in question. And then we don't really know if what we're watching is real or if we're watching something that's uh, that's fake or fixed on cert any certain level. I, and you mentioned boxing. Uh, I think we've all seen what's happened to boxing. It used to be one of the biggest sports in the country, and there's numerous reasons why it's not, but we've all also seen fights where you're absolutely certain one guy won, and then the, for whatever reason, the judges scored it a different way, and then people get frustrated, and for whatever reason that happened, I don't know, but people then stop watching the sport because they don't really trust in the result being exactly what they thought they had watched. So, Paul, that actually brings up an interesting point. To what extent do we now question the calls that umpires are making, particularly given the scrutiny that is on umpires now, particularly with all of the new uh, stat cast tracking and all of the pitch location tracking? To what extent do we now have to question individual umpires who really aren't very good at their job? Well, correct. I, I think that's what it does. I think it opens up all these questions. And I think baseball doesn't need any more questions like this. You know, uh, Robbie Cano just has uh, the, um, the the recent suspension this week. And Michael Kay on his radio show, I only heard a part of it, but he was saying once you have certain guys doing PEDs or suspected of PEDs or being suspended for PEDs or masking substances, what then you have is the question, it, it then brings into question everybody else's performance. If he's doing it, why isn't somebody else doing it? And I think you're going to see the same thing happen if gambling becomes very prevalent in the sport. 
And let me let me say also, this isn't something that the United States has never seen, hasn't even seen recently. Um, in college basketball, there is well documented. In fact, right now I have an article in front of me from the American Economic Review, which is the top academic journal in economics, that shows I think very persuasive evidence of um, point shaving in college basketball. So what it finds is that in really close games, you get a normal distribution. Uh, around zero of the change of um, uh, of winning percentages, so you're just as likely to win by one as you are to lose by one. Um, but in in big games, in games where um, uh, where one team is running away with the lead, there's actually a, sh- uh, a, 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 a distribution that shifted toward the loser. Um, what that means is that if a team is is winning, um, they are uh, they essentially score fewer points than you would expect otherwise late in the game. Um, the, the allegation there being is that they know that they're going to win and so they want to essentially lose by the spread. Mm. And and that is, um, uh, that's again, that's pretty well documented. Now, I think that, you know, I think that the NCAA kind of has this coming by not playing, paying their players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Major League Baseball has a little bit of a, you know, Major League Baseball players have a little more to lose. But I do think that's still something we need to, uh, we need to, to kind of be aware of. Um, I also want to say I'm a little bit, I don't like Major League Baseball MLB TV, ESPN, etc., having partnerships with gamblers. DraftKings was a problem mm-hmm. for for a while. Now, luckily, DraftKings kind of fell out of favor because it turned out that half the players playing on DraftKings were hedge fund, like actual hedge funds with algorithms. <laughs> that DraftKings was happy to take their money. That's why I stopped playing. Like I for for a while thought that I could, I could be that I could be the guy who's like I'm a pretty smart guy. I think I know baseball pretty well. I think I can I can pick a winning DraftKings lineup every day, and I lost a bunch of money. And then I, I you know this story came out that said that essentially that like the majority of people on DraftKings were were like hedge fund have hedge fund algorithms. I'm not going to beat an algorithm. <laughs> like I can't do that. And um, you know and I and but Major League Baseball was happy to take their money. And I'm concerned that every freaking broadcast we're going to be getting betting odds and Michael Kay's going to be reading us ads for the Atlantic City Casino and I I don't want that yeah that's a really good point I I in particular hated DraftKings I couldn't stand the idea of watching Sunday Night Baseball and hearing another ad for DraftKings it it actually decreased my enjoyment of the game and I agree Jay if and frankly let's get real if anybody's going to have that association it's going to be the yes network yeah uh, yeah was, by the way uh the special episode that I've been I've been promising people we had to delay it from last weekend there will be a special episode where we discuss among other things the ownership of the yes network by Rupert Murdoch uh this coming weekend so look forward to that that's going to be fun uh you have been warned uh I want to move on to Clint Frazier so Clint Frazier, su- surprise, surprise, was called up to the major leagues for the Washington series. Uh, Paul, let me ask you first. When you heard that he was being called up, what was your first impression? Not Jacoby Ellsbury? I can't believe it. <laughs> also not standing, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think we're all on the same feeling that we are all rooting for this guy and that we want him to be great. He's hitting 362. He's got three homers in the minors. Uh, I, I, I think his on-base percentage is like 423, slugging 703. He's done everything he's supposed to do in the minor leagues. The problem is, I don't know where he's going to play. So I don't know. So what, it sounds what, like what they it, called him up just for just for the National League series, right? I so heard it's like that they, he's you need staying. extra pinching. I, I don't. I'm looking for you think he's staying on that? I heard that he's staying at least for a, a little while, and that Aaron Boone said, "I'm going to try to get him more playing time, and he's going to start at least once this weekend against the Royals." 
I did not. I did not hear that. That's good news. I think that's very good news. Um, Andy, if he is staying, so assume he's staying for the foreseeable future. What? How do you? How would you, if you were Aaron Boone, allocate the playing time between an Aaron Hicks, Brett Gardner, and Clint Frazier? Well, actually, I think this one's pretty simple. I think there's pretty good evidence over the last couple of years to say that Brett Gardner does not hit left-handed pitching terribly well. So I think you've got a ready-made platoon right there. Gardner's older. He's somebody who could probably use an extra couple of games a week off. And right there, you've got a place where you can stick Clint Frazier. I think there's also potential as the season wears on, you've got injuries that can come up and Clint Frazier is a ready-made replacement for pretty much anybody. And I think even in a pinch, he could fill in in center field for a couple of games. But realistically, in the short term, I think he's a ready-made platoon partner with Brett Gardner. Are you concerned that Clint Frazier would only be playing, you know, two out of every seven games or so? I don't know that there's much more for him to develop down on the farm. I think that the only way he's going to improve his patience and his his real hit tool, the ability to lay off pitches, I think that he really needs to do it at the big league level. And if this is where he's got playing time, even if it's only against one-sided pitching and even if it's only a couple of days a week, I think that at this point that's more productive for his development than being back in AAA. All right, so Let neither of you would sit series. Aaron Hicks. Uh, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. So neither of you would sit Aaron Hicks for Clint Frazier. I think his defense is just too good overall to sit. I, I think even when Aaron Hicks isn't hitting, I think he's still so valuable in center field. It makes sense to keep him out there. Paul, what about you? Um, I, let me just give you. This is from the New York Daily News this afternoon. The 23-year-old outfielder will will almost certainly get a shot on Saturday against Royals lefty Danny Duffy. Aaron Boone said. So, so he's definitely going to start. Um, uh, what was the question? So would you sit Aaron Hicks uh, instead of uh, Brett Gardner, or is Brett Gardner the one guy you're No, you're I would really sit Brett at? Gardner. I would do what Andy's doing. I'd make it a platoon. Hicks, is, Hicks, Hicks does swing, uh, switch hitter, obviously. And I don't think, um, I mean, unless you move Gardner to center field, but I think Gardner and Frazier in the outfield isn't as strong as Frazier and Hicks in the outfield. All right, so I have a, I, I have a radical proposal. Here is my radical proposal. There's a problem, and the problem is is that both Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner just suck against righties this season. Aaron Hicks has actually been really good against lefties. I'm, I'm sorry, has been really good against righties. So they both suck against against uh, against lefties, right? So against righties, he's hitting 243, 368, 443. Combine that with pretty good defense, well above average player. Against lefties, 115. 172, 154. Now, that's only in 29 plate appearances, so, you know, small sample size alert. But still, he has sucked against left-handed pitching. And Brett Gardner has pretty much the same split, though he's been a little bit worse um, uh, against right-handed pitching. That concerns me, right? I want both of them to sit a lot more against left-handed pitching. So I want Clint Frazier to play center field against right-handed pitching. Now, he has mostly been a corner outfielder for his career, but here are my two arguments for why he can play center field. Number one, he's played there four times since he's come back from, 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 from rehab at AAA. So they're clearly getting him ready to play some center field. Number two, 
I think he, he's pretty fast. Like, if you actually look at the, the, the sprint speed leaderboards, he's about as fast as the average Major League center fielder. I know that probably long-term, he's almost certainly a corner outfielder. But if someone like Ioannis Cespedes can fake it in center, I think Clint Frazier can more than fake it in center field, and he'll be fine there. He's young. He'll, 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 he'll make it. Um, that's against lefties. I also want him playing a little bit against righties. I think Brett Gardner is the obvious guy to sit against righties a little bit more, too, and this basically turns Brett Gardner into a bench player. And I'm fine with that. Like I, I don't. I, I get that he's he's like he's got a history of the team and he's a great guy. He could be a leader on this team from the bench. And I think that you give Clint Frazier a shot full time. Center field against lefties, left field against righties. Aaron Hicks plays center field against righties, and you know Brett Garner pinch hits for them late in the game. You know against a tough righty, or doesn't. Mm. You know I did read, uh, and I, I was just looking for it. I couldn't find the article, but. Uh, when he was in the Indians' farm system, everybody felt that Clint Frazier was a center field type. And when the Yankees acquired him, they called him a center field type. And then the narrative became that he doesn't really handle center field. But um, the follow-up on that was the Indians had moved him away from center because they had a better prospect, and I can't pull up the name right now, who was a true center field. Bradley Zimmer. Yeah, Zimmer. Yeah. Okay, and, and that's why that's the only reason Clint Frazier wasn't playing center uh, at the time that the Yankees acquired him at the first place. So the idea that he can't play center is, is probably a fallacy because you're uh, probably right that he can. I mean, it feels like a bit of an arbitrary distinction, right? Like, oh, he's fast enough to run around in left field in Yankee Stadium, but he's not fast enough to run around in center. Like, yes, of course he is. I mean, he's he's not he's not Nelson Cruz out there in the outfield. He clearly can cover ground. I mean, he's not going to be a gold glove center fielder. But frankly, I mean, Hicks is pretty good, but Gardner isn't these days. Yeah, no, EJ, I agree with you on the point that for maybe a game, maybe two games a week, Frazier could play center field, and I'm not opposed to that idea. And interestingly enough, when you start thinking about how you would split it up, and obviously uh, Brett Gardner maybe sits against tougher righties to and let Frazier's power play up a little lower in the lineup and you sit Gardner against all lefties at this point, I actually think you get enough at-bats between the three of those guys that each guy stays fresh, stays healthier than Hicks and Gardner typically do, and everybody gets their at-bats and everybody's happy. So actually, I think that your proposal actually may not be so radical. Other question. Second question. Who has the crazier swing, Miguel Andujar or Clint Frazier? Oof. Uh, I'm going to go Andahar, but that could just be recency bias. I mean, when Andahar <laughs> swings, he swings out of his shoes. But uh, if I think back to Frazier's earliest swings with the Yankees, I don't think I've ever seen anybody other than Javier Baez swing that hard. So I do, though, remember Frazier calming it down by the end of the year. So right now I'm going Andahar. Paul? I'm going to agree, and I understand, though I haven't seen any footage, that uh, Frazier has been reworking his swing. So he's probably oh, it's too bad. His swing, <laughs> His swing was fun. His swing was fun. He was he like, um, I like Andrew Hart. Definitely has that just like just crazy person swing, right? Just just any anywhere that the ball is, he's gonna throw his bat at that. At that, and I think it looks a lot, a lot of fun. It's it's not equivalent, but it's almost in a way. It's almost like a, a little bit like Gary Sheffield's swing that he just he just throws the bat at everything, right? Clint Frazier's swing just doesn't look possible. Right, it just looks like it's like like oh, did you forget to swing and then you swing at the last minute? Like that—that's what it feels like, and and I'm excited to have them batting back to back. 
Last but not least, I want to ask you guys a quick question about Glaber Torres. If you were Aaron Boone, where would Glaber Torres bat in your lineup? All right, you're not going to like my answer. Yeah, I'm putting you guys on the spot, by the way. So, yeah, yeah go for it, Paul. All right, I keep him at ninth. I want to keep him there. I want him to just get comfortable. Maybe once he gets 300 big league at-bats, I start to move him up. But I think we forget that Jeter batted ninth when he came up. That whole, I think basically that whole 1996 season. I don't think batting ninth does anything to hurt a guy's progression. And I think it just, especially in this lineup, gives a guy a, a place where he can get comfortable, acclimate to big league pitching, and really uh, uh, self-actualize and fulfill whatever he's supposed to do as a young kid, and then we can move him up next year. Andy? Okay, Paul, you stole my answer, so I'm going to go with my second choice. I would, <laughs> I would, I would bat him. I will disagree with you both. Don't worry. <laughs> so I would bat him six. The way he's hitting right now, I, I don't think he's quite justified hitting at the top of the order. I don't think he's somebody that right now, at least, I don't think he's quite got enough power and enough pop to bat him in the middle of the order. But to lead up the rear of the lineup and get him a few more at-bats over the course of a year, why not hit him six? Uh, look, I, I think that the top of the Yankee order just has two massive holes in it right now, and those are Dini Gregorius and Brett Gardner. Neither of them should be batting where they are at the moment. Didi had a wonderful April. Fun to watch. Loved it. Doing a ma- ma- major up, made a couple myself, and he has been a pumpkin for a month or three weeks. Right? He has just been absolutely useless at the plate, and here's the thing. Our priors coming into this season was that Didi Gregorius had a great glove and not a great bat. Right, And that's the D.D. Gregorius that we thought we knew and loved. And all of a sudden, he was Babe Ruth for four weeks. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be Babe Ruth much in the future. And I think that the slumping D.D. Gregorius looks much more like the guy you'd love to have as your number eight hitter than the guy who should be batting behind Aaron Judge. Since D.D. Gregorius has gone gotten bad, and everybody in the world knows that he's gotten bad, Aaron Judge is walking more and getting fewer pitches to hit. I think he needs protection. I think we need to change this lineup so that you have either Giancarlo Stanton or Gary Sanchez batting right behind uh, Aaron Judge. In, that, in my mind, that means that your number your number two or your number one hitter is going to become either Aaron Judge or Gleyber Torres. If I were God, it would go Judge at for uh, leading off, um, or, or um, Judge. I'm sorry, uh, Gleyber Torres leading off, Judge second, Giancarlo Stanton third. I know you got three righties in a row, but, you know, it's better than two bad lefties. Actually, so I agree with you 100%. As much as I love Didi Gregorius and I'm a little more bullish on his offense and have been for the last couple of years than most people are, I do agree that Didi belongs nowhere near the top of the lineup right now. However, I... I agree. While I agree that it should be, I think it's Gary Sanchez who should hit number two. I've always felt that way. I think he's the most well-rounded hitter in the Yankee lineup, particularly when he's going well. Um, but at leadoff, I really kind of like Aaron Hicks. I think even if you look at his on-base percentage and his walk rates, he's a guy that has a little bit of pop when he's going well, and even when he's not going well, he gets on base and he draws walks. And why wouldn't you want a guy that runs like Aaron Hicks on the base paths for Gary Sanchez? John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge. I mean, I generally agree. It's just that I think he's he's also kind of turned back into a pumpkin in the last couple of weeks, especially since he returned from the injury. And I'm a little concerned that there's something wrong there because um, he's he's basically been as bad as Gregorius and Gardner uh, over that time span. Yeah, that's fair. I I actually don't have his stats for the last two weeks, give or take, up. But I I thought I saw that he was still drawing walks. 
Okay, so that that was my... I've, I've made several rants today, so I'm going to end it right there. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Everybody else, please, please, please go, to, go on iTunes, go on your phone, podcast app, leave us a five-star rating. And again, if you leave a fun comment along with your five-star rating, I will read it on the show the week after you make it. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Everybody have a great week. Hopefully we'll get a baseball game in at some point in the near future. This has been your Bronx Beat Podcast. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.